if uh, I think there was a supply list. Is there the, the slide there, Lorelei, for the, um, I would think it was scissors and uh, whatever scrapbooking supplies that you would need, pictures to decorate with, your favorite store-bought snack to share. So come out and be a part of that. And then uh, another exciting thing we have um, back at our guest table, there are business cards. Um, the, the next slide will show you the front and the back to those. It, it's a way for you to invite somebody to church. If you're talking about church and uh, you want to invite them, it's got our name, our address, uh, our times, phone number, and everything. So feel free to grab a few of those. And if you want to hand them out to invite people to join us on a Sunday morning, that is what they are there for. All right. Now, I'm not sure if you've been enjoying our uh, study through the Gospel of Mark, but I've enjoyed it quite a bit. And last week, we looked at the principle of character, of our character, and I challenged us with this thought, who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. Who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. And we looked at the story of the Pharisees challenging uh, Jesus and the disciples coming back from the marketplace and eating with unwashed hands, not following the tradition of the elders and how the, the Pharisees had set up these rules to try to keep people from breaking the actual law. They had these traditions. And Jesus came back and said to them, Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And then he goes on to address the crowd, and he's telling them, listen, guys, it's not what you put inside your body that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you. And he goes and tells his disciples this list of things that happens, uh, that, that come out of the hearts of men when it's left to its own devices. You know, the, the thing is, is when we focus on Jesus being the Lord of our life and allowing him to work on us on the inside, this change happens. Something happens inside of us, and it's not so much us using willpower to do what God has asked us to do, but it's now a desire. It is something we delight in. It's something we want to do because it pleases God, because our character is being changed and shaped into the image of Jesus. It becomes who we are. Our actions, our reactions, our thoughts, our words, the things that we hate, the things that we love, start reflecting those things of Jesus. Our character changes. Well, before I jump into this week's message, I don't know if you guys grow tired of my stories, because um, I've told you a lot of stories, and I'm going to tell you another one, so bear with me. Um, this story might be familiar to a lot of you who've been here for a minute, so... Uh, there might be some overlapping, so bear with me as I take you back in time yet again to when Forrest was little. <laughs> Growing up, it, it seems I, I always remembered going to church. It, it's what we did. My mom was great about making sure us four kids were ready and at the door, head down to church every single stun, uh, Sunday. You know, and my church story is kind of conflicted. There was a time in my life where I loved it. 
I loved going to kids' church. I loved singing the songs. I can remember, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And, and just the, the joy that was there. And I remember, um, kind of like last night, there was a snowstorm the day before. But this time, it must have been a doozy of a storm because um, my dad had put uh, cables on the tires of the car. And so that's a bad storm for dad to put those on the car. And he had to work on Sunday and had left them on. Sunday morning, the streets were starting to clear up. It was okay, and I was pumped. I wanted to get to church. But my mom knew that the, the cables were left on there. And she's like, well, sorry, today we're going to do church with Pastor Sheets. We're, we're going to stay home, and, and uh, we're not going to be able to go. And I was like, that." It just, that's unacceptable. So I take my little self down into the garage, and I must have, I was old enough to know how to use a jack, and I don't know if my dad knows this story or not, um, but uh, I, did, I don't think I damaged the car. Sorry, Dad. Um, but I went down into the garage, and I managed to figure out how to get the cables off of the tires, and uh, I run upstairs, tell my mom, Mom, I got them off. We can go. She's like, that took a little too long. We're, there's no way we can make it on time. We are not going to be able to go. I was devastated. It just I was crushed, little boy. And then you fast forward a couple of years, and I hated church. I hated church as a teenager. There was nothing. I, I didn't have friends. I didn't get along with the youth group. I was an awkward kid. I mean, I was like 15, wearing a Toy Story watch. That's kind of weird. And I got teased for that. Um, <laughs> overshare. Um, but I remember every Sunday, my mom, she would visit with all these people. And I was just like, can we go home? Can we go home? And it got to the point where I would get the car keys and sit in the car and listen to the radio and just wait for mom to finish visiting with everybody. And the thing about it is I was so disconnected because I have three little sisters where in the world were they during this time? I don't know if they're playing with other kids or if they're sitting with mom. I, I was only really concerned about Forrest getting home. The, the thing is, is my mom would try every week, every day uh, to get us to engage in uh, this idea of faith in Jesus, this uh, relationship with him. And I remember she bought these um, but it was the Bible, but it was illustrated, and it was to help bring the stories to life. And she was really excited about it. Now, as an adult, I would probably be pretty excited about it. But as a teenager, it was torture. She would make me and my uh, oldest sister, she's about a year and a half younger than I am, and we would go to our rooms. And it's not like she's asking me to read four chapters or an entire book. It's like one chapter. And I would managed to make myself fall asleep or be distracted or whatever so that by the time she came back it was time for dinner and I didn't have to read and it was it was terrible but my mom would ask all the time if we believed in Jesus and what we learned in kids church and I would you know I would say yes of course I believe in Jesus he's he's my savior and um, as a teenager I would fumble through what the preacher taught about that Sunday uh, and I, I, I had this sense of, I had the knowledge, but I, I didn't have the faith. 
you know, and she would try to help us to understand what it meant to be a Christian, what life looked like, that a born-again born Christian is different, and she would try to help us to be able to articulate that to our friends. My mom, she did everything she could to pass her faith on to me. While I pushed most of, uh, most of it away, a lot of it did stick with me. But it wasn't until I graduated high school, and I was still living at home, still going to church because mom made me go to church. Those were the house rules. You live under my roof, you're going to church. And I've told the story about my good friend Jacob and how his friendship opened the door for me to begin to explore this idea of a relationship with Jesus and discovering something my mom had been trying to tell me my entire life, my faith becoming my own. You see, growing up, I was a Christian because mom was a Christian. I went to church because mom went to church. But the day that Jesus got a hold of my heart, everything changed. Something was different. My faith was no longer mom's faith. It was my faith. It was my relationship. I believed it. I had experienced Jesus. I knew who he was and all the lessons and all the conversations that mom had spent my whole life teaching me started to make sense. There it was. You know, and I'm eternally grateful for my mom because without a mama that was concerned about me knowing the truth and teaching me and explaining and pushing I don't know if I'd be standing here today. I don't know if I would be who I am today. There was this moment that I had with the Holy Spirit where he revealed to me the truth about who Jesus is. It was simple. God's grace, forgiveness through him, and I simply had to receive it. See, I had claimed to be a Christian. I was living with knowledge, with someone else's faith. Now the faith is my own. It's my own relationship with Jesus. And this is what we're going to look at today. We're skipping ahead a little bit in the book of Mark to chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. We're going to look at how this happened for one of Jesus' disciples. I'm not sure... If any of you have the same type of story like me where you grew up in church and the influence of uh, parents teaching you the truth or if maybe you have no life experience being in church, you don't know the traditions, you don't know what it is and all the lingo and all the phrases. But my hope here this morning is that as we, un as we look at this story, as we unpack this text, that you will experience God in a new way that he will come to light, come to life in a new way. And as I was putting this together, I had this thought. We can't borrow someone else's relationship with Christ. It must be our own. We cannot borrow someone else's relationship with Christ. It must be our own. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this story, for this text. I thank you, Lord, that you... Pursue us. I, I thank you that you reveal to us who you are. And I pray this morning that as we go through this story, that it would come to life, that, that through the Holy Spirit, Father, you would reveal to us who Jesus is. 
I ask, Lord, that you would open our ears and our minds to, to hear, to, to understand, or to see and to know. We bless you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark 8.27 says this, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? I had this thought as I was reading this. Can you imagine all of the conversations that Jesus and the disciples could have had, did have, throughout Jesus' ministry? It is estimated that Jesus walked 3,125 miles in his three-year ministry. That lends itself to a lot of time with 13 guys to talk about anything and everything. And I thought that this would have been a subject that would have come up like long ago when, when they were, you know, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And them having this conversation about who is Jesus and who do people say that I am. But here we find ourselves in this story. Sometime later, after that, that uh, where the calling of the 12 disciples, and Jesus asks them, who do people say I am? I find this question interesting. Why would it matter what other people say about who Jesus is? Why would that matter for the disciples? I think it's because sometimes we can allow what other people, what they have to say about any given subject to determine what we think or how we think on any given thing. For example, politics. Now, I know people say you don't talk about church and you don't talk about politics. Well, we're already in church, so let's get uncomfortable with some politics. <laughs> right? I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm ki I can see it on some people's faces like, where is he going with this? There's a fight of brewing. We're going to put up them dukes. No. But see, that, that's the thing. We have these extremes. We're so easily offended or, or put off by someone with a different opinion or a different viewpoint. And to kind of go on a rabbit trail, can I say I'm sick of the cancel culture in America, in the world? You see, we think that by silencing our opposition that we're actually winning the fight. We're actually winning the argument when all we are doing, at least here in America, is removing our First Amendment right to free speech. The more we allow people to be canceled, whether we agree with them or not, moves us one step closer to losing that freedom. I mean, it starts in Hollywood. It starts in, in the media. Do you think it won't make its way to the church? I can tell you, my friends, I say a lot of things right here that would offend a lot of people. It puts them off because it challenges who they are at their core. Like when I say our lives need to look different than the world's, the way we live needs to be different. Or that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You won't find it through Hinduism. You won't find it through Buddhism. You won't find it through Islam. You won't find it. It is not all roads lead to the pearly gates. Jesus declared it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Or how about the, the, the topic of absolute truth? We live in a culture that says, I live according to my truth. 
No, there is absolute truth, and that is God's word. This is what we stand on. For goodness sakes, they just took away Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Because you cannot have a male and a female Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. They have to be non-binary. So when I say, when I say that there's only two genders, male and female, there's a whole lot of people that are offended by those words. So many of us allow news outlets, talk shows, blogs, or social media to form an opinion for us instead of us doing homework and going out and having the conversations with people that we know to form our own opinions, to find a common ground with people. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I can get wrapped up in my own little world of this is what I believe, this is what I know, and shutting myself off to what other people have to say or think. But see, we need to be a people that can have the hard conversations. We need to be able to sit down and talk. If we agree or if we disagree, we can still come find common ground and leave friends as long as the issue does not contradict God's word. We have to stand up for truth. Truth is worth fighting for. So I think Jesus in this question wants to see where the disciples are. What have they heard and gained an understanding of what they think? Mark 28, Mark 8:28 says this. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. The book of Matthew that also has this story throws in the prophet Jeremiah. This is a list of some pretty big prophets. These are pillars in the Old Testament. Why would they name these prophets? Well, some like Herod, who John the Baptist stood up to because of the way he lived his life, had been beheaded. He was thrown into prison and beheaded. And when Herod had heard about Jesus' ministry, he declared himself, John the Baptist has come back from the dead. Others said that Elijah, who, like Enoch, had never died but was taken up into heaven, and it was prophesied about him in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, that he would come before and prepare the way. He would make the way for the Messiah. Others say that it was Jeremiah, because Jeremiah the prophet talked about the branch of David that would come and sit and rule forever on David's throne. And others again saying one of the old prophets, but no one ever put him on the pedestal in the place of Messiah. No one regarded him as that. Or perhaps... They didn't mean that Jesus was literally any one of these people, but perhaps he came in the same power, the same authority, teaching a similar message as the old prophets. So Jesus, I would assume, already knows the answer to this question because as we've read in many stories, he's able to uh, discern the thoughts of the Pharisees, of the disciples. So I, am a, I would say he already knew the answer. He just wanted to hear them say it. Do you, do you guys ever do that? Like, I'll do it to my kids. I'll ask them a question, knowing the answer before I ask it. My boss does it to me all the time. He says it's his way of stretching me to help me <laughs> grow. But 
So then Jesus turns the question. He turns the question on them in verse 29. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Right out of the gate we have Peter. Peter answered, you are the Christ. I love Peter. I can relate to Peter. I put my foot in my mouth so many times. I, I, I'll think before, or I'll speak before I think. See, I, I spoke before I thought. Um, and this is Peter. Peter knows what he believes, and he is unafraid to proclaim it. He is unafraid to say what he believes. The thing that I've noticed about some of us, myself included, is us as believers can be afraid to declare what we know about Jesus and what we believe in him. We are quite comfortable with just being silent. May I challenge you, the time is now where the church can no longer be silent. We need to take our cue from Peter. We must declare the truth. People's lives depend on it. You know, Peter had a lot of firsts with Jesus. He was the first disciple called along with his brother, Andrew. He was the only one to walk on water when Jesus was approaching them in the, the, that story where he, Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter says, if that's you, Lord, allow me to come out to you. And he walks on the water to Jesus. It's a story found in Matthew 14. He was the only one to declare on the Mount of Transfiguration, it is good for us to be here. Let us build three shelters, one for you, Moses and Elijah, a story found in chapter 9, also in Matthew and Luke. He is the first to announce being willing to die for Jesus. As Jesus predicts his death, he's like, I will go, I will die for you. He is the first to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. So it's no surprise, he is the first to speak up and answer, to proclaim, you are the Christ. Matthew records Peter saying in uh, chapter 16, verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. To which Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. What has been revealed? That Jesus is the Messiah. Or the Christ. Well, I have a slide here. In Hebrew, the word is Mashiach. In Greek, Christos. Messiah and Christ. Both meaning anointed one. Anointed one. Because that person was chosen by God to do something special for God. You go back to Leviticus. God had chosen Aaron and the Levites, and they were anointed to proclaim, uh, to, to, to uh, help the Israelites fulfill God's law. The, the Levites were set apart. They were anointed. Well, what was Jesus anointed or chosen for? You see, the Jews viewed the Messiah, the Mashiach, as a political or national savior, someone that would bring Israel back to its former glory, that the Messiah would deliver them from their enemies and set up their own kingdom, as it was in the days of David, of King Solomon. But you see, Jesus was here for so much more than an earthly kingdom. He was here for a heavenly 
kingdom. He was chosen and he was anointed to deliver mankind from their sin. To win victory over sin, death, pain, hurt, and to bring in a new era where people would live in freedom provided by him. A freedom where we can be free of our past. A world where we can be free from our addictions to live life better, greater than we ever expected. God's word declares he has a plan, a future for us, a life to give us hope, to give us peace. This is what Jesus was chosen for. And how did Peter come to this knowledge? By the opinions of others? By what other people had to say about Jesus? No. By experiencing Jesus himself, by being with him, and by the Father revealing it to him. You see, his faith couldn't be because of what someone else said or because someone else gave it to him. His faith had to be his. He could only make this declaration because he knew Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. Just as it was for me, my mom's faith could not be my faith. Just like my faith cannot be my kid's faith. They cannot have a relationship with Jesus through me for them. You see, that's the awesome thing about who God is. He wants to reveal to you individually, personally, who he is. He wants that relationship with you. So the question that remains are you open and willing to allow the Father to reveal to you the truth of who his Son is? To close out our story, verse 30 says, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Why did Jesus say this to them? Why did Jesus not want this information to come out? I read a lot of commentaries on it, and the short answer, we don't know really. There's some speculation. There's a few reasons. Um, I lean towards he still had work to do. Uh, if people got a, a hold of the fact that he was the Messiah, it could have hindered his work. Some say it could have been uh, the people could have attempted to set him up as king, thwarting the plan why, for why he was there. His death could have come prematurely because the people didn't like what he was teaching about. I would say the time had not come for it to be revealed to the populace who he was and why he was there. There was still more work to do. But yet here we find ourselves in 2021. The cat's out of the bag. The secret has been revealed to the world. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Now, what are you going to do with that information? Will you allow your heart to be softened and be drawn toward him? Or will you allow yourself to turn away? It is your decision. So I implore you, come to Jesus. He says, come just as you are. Come just as you are. If you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you peace. If you are weak, I will give you strength. I will help you to mount up on wings like eagles and soar. What will you confess of who Jesus is? Know this, he loves you. He wants you. 
We have to invite him in. We have to allow him to come in and do the work in us. So I say again, we can't borrow someone else's relationship with Christ. It must be our own. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we close, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you would like to start this journey with him, I ask that you would raise your hand, make eye contact with me, because I would love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. For those of us that are here that are believers, and perhaps you've been timid in your declaration of who Jesus is, and you want to change that, I ask you to raise your hand. My hand is raised with yours. I know that I can be better about sharing my faith. Thank you. Father, we come to you this morning. You see these hands. You know these hearts. Father, for those this morning that are saying, I want to start this journey, this relationship with you, I pray that you would speak to them in this moment, that you would meet with them. Father, I pray that in their own way, they would pray, Lord, forgive me. I repent of, of my sins. I turn from that lifestyle. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I invite you in to begin working and molding and changing me. I pray, Lord, that you will take this relationship with them and help them to grow, build their faith, strengthen them, encourage them. Be by them, Lord, in those times where it will be hard in those valleys, in those struggles. I pray that you would minister to them, to all of us, that we could say, it is well. Father, for all of us that know you as Savior, I pray that you would put within us this boldness, this fire shut up in our bones, that we can't contain it anymore, but we have to share who you are. I pray that you would anoint your people to speak your truth in love, that they would share with those that they come in contact with, that you would open doors that nobody can shut, that you would use them to speak your truth, to speak your love of salvation for this world. Help us, Lord, to share this truth. The world desperately needs it. I thank you, Father, for your Son, and that you desire us. You desire a relationship with us. I pray, Lord, that many people will come to know that it will be revealed to them who Jesus is. We ask for an incredible outpouring of your spirit that we would see people's lives change, that we would see these chairs filled multiple times over for your glory and for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friends, may we be a people that are willing to allow the Father to continue to reveal to us who Jesus is and that want to change who we are and to be shaped into the mold 
into the image of who Jesus is. May we be a people that will share the love and the grace of Jesus boldly, but in love. Share it in love. That those around us would be drawn to him. If we will do these things, we will see people come to know the love and grace and hope found in Jesus. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. I thank you for being here. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless.